Hello and welcome to the Rise and Thrive Show podcast. I'm Erin Warhol and I'm here with Mary Hayes Greco, who is my friend, my mentor, and a great conversation partner. <laughs> yes. Hey, Mary. We're here again. Hey. We're here hanging out again after class, after Saturday morning class, where we have been advancing a number of um, ideas and tools around self-mastery for the last uh, 14 weeks. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, today we talked about what I called the long game, which is like really kind of occasionally stepping back to look at your life as a whole arc of uh, experiences, sparkling or painful. And at this moment in the pandemic, which I think a lot of people are really trying to trying to look at in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's premature or not, but a lot of people I know are trying to, quote, move on. Um, it's interesting to just take the long view of this, these pandemic times and see what hath been wrought in our lives and society. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes people need a little permission to look at that a little differently than maybe how they read about it in the news or read about it, you know, on social media. But the idea that every experience we have, there there's ways to see the good that comes out of it, even some of our most difficult experiences. And so looking at the pandemic and being mindful of the loss and being mindful of the devastation that some people, some families, some communities have felt very, very real, very tragic. And at the same time going, okay, there were some new things that came from this. Let's go ahead and put our attention on that and hold those too. Mm -hmm. At the same time, allowing ourselves to be curious about what has been brought forward in a way that was maybe swifter than it would have been. Yeah. Um, someone recently I heard on the radio declared the pandemic that every pandemic is a portal she said that it, it, in a way it's like this kind of quick wormhole between one era and another era where suddenly things have drop away that have mm -hmm. been there and suddenly new things are coming in that have needed to be here so um, I I all along I mean I haven't been that crazy about a lot of a lot of parts of these last two years but I sure have been curious and allowing myself to entertain my curiosity about people and humans in the world and history and that sort of thing and mm -hmm. um, I read two different pandemic novels in the last year or two and one was in the past like during the Black Death in England and it was called um, the year of wonders and one was in the future, which is after another pandemic, and it was called Station Eleven. And it it was just really interesting to to read those and to know that I too am in a story. Yeah. And I don't even know, you know, the full shape of the story I'm in. Oh, that's interesting, Mary. I have not read any books about the pandemic, and I think I've actively avoided it. But I I want to hear more about the perspective that you got from both of those. And I think that informs what you're talking about here with the long game, because history is long and pandemics have been here in the past and they probably will come in the future. But what are some more little nuggets you can share from those books? Yeah, well, um, the one about the bubonic plague, the Black Death, 
took place in 1665 and it's based on um this is the book called the year of wonders and it's based on a lot of known history about this plague village in england where you can go visit today and you know there's a lot of uh uh, information about it but this one village realized early on how highly contagious it was and that they would do the world a favor if they quarantined and mm. so this this one village of what was it maybe like six or eight hundred people quarantined themselves they didn't allow comings and goings on the road and they had a, a place where um, they would put an, a note out for what their needs were and somebody would this is like a, by the rock by the well some you know good distance from the village and then the one of the earls in england had agreed to supply them with food and supplies necessities while they kept themselves to themselves and so the earl would uh you know fill up their grocery list with food and tools or whatever and and bring it back to the rock and so they were the first group i think to um very consciously self-quarantine. And so they ended up uh, losing probably uh, two-thirds of their village. Mm -hmm. And but there was really interesting descriptions of what that meant, you know, that, gee, there wasn't somebody to shoe the horses. There wasn't somebody to make the make the bread there was there was all these jobs that just went by the wayside because people couldn't do them but but one of the jobs that rose was the herbalist the herbalist the the women that figured out what plants made people stronger in their immune systems oh interesting so, yeah anyway it was it was very well well written it was uh, geraldine brooks i believe her name is the year of wonders and in the in the end the the heroine ends up you know going into a wholly different and new life and the seeds of what she's learned as a medical person go into this other country and it shows this uh, this strange and wonderful ripple effect that happened oh, because yeah. she survived she survived the plague <laughs> so anyway it's interesting because there's the real characters you know it's based on the real the the actual minister and the actual mayor and the, she did a lot of historical research so you felt like you were right there and the other book uh station 11 by emily st john mandel uh it's it's really well written and you really are watching on the the pandemic unfold and this is a different one than ours is, i think she wrote this two years before our recent pandemic and it was oh that's fascinating isn't it yeah she wrote i think in 2016 mm -hmm. and it was much more deadly much more contagious much more um killer pandemic and it went global and it affected everything every single thing and uh i guess at times like this what is most clearly depicted is the great light and the great dark mm -hmm. that are in humans the the great uh nobility and the crass <laughs> greed and corruption like mm -hmm. side by side side yeah. by side constantly and i think we saw that in For 2020 sure. we saw that all through the year in of 2020 it was in high relief the light and the dark and humans mm -hmm. so and it's still it's still playing out but the thing i recall the most uh from that book is uh 
at the end, I mean, it's just not that happy. <laughs> not really that happy. I don't know if they all end up living underground or something kind of dismal, but it follows the heart and vision and character of one one young person who is full of hope. She's just in this like dire situation, full of hope, and she has a new idea, and she's working her new idea, and that's kind oh, of where wow. it leaves you. It leaves you with, and in the end, hope keeps rising, and in the end, new ideas come along, <laughs> things yeah. you couldn't have foreseen, and that's where that's where they leave you. They don't they well, don't leave you just in the dark without a shovel. It's they leave you with <laughs> a, a spark in someone's eye. <laughs> I appreciate that, and I think that's part of what you're getting at with the with your musings on the long game and that the idea that we can choose what perspective we're going to view uh, world events through or our own lives through and the notion that that we can choose to see look out on the landscape and see just death and destruction and despair and decide to be despairing over that versus understanding that that is part of the human experience that we go through these things and yet our role in that is to constantly being trying to find the light trying to find the hope that glimpse of hope that comes through there and in our class today you you gave a really great perspective about kind of viewing humanity and what's going on and i was hoping you could share that a little bit uh, about what we're birthing as humans right i think in the kind of waves of pain that we see just uh, breaking out across the planet in different countries and uh, different situations, just waves of pain. And one is tempted to think, that's it, we're, all, we're doomed, this is death, this is where it all ends and cracks up. But we don't have to see it that way. We can see birth. Way, birth is attended by waves of pain yes. and lots of blood and scary moments yeah. and it's all in service to new life it's all yeah. in service to that baby the baby that's coming out the baby that you wanted the baby that's coming out and i was talking in class today about how i derive comfort from imagining that that humanity is in a birthing process yeah. that we are the baby we are the baby on the way and that there's just so much um uh potential and human beings for being fully alive, conscious co-creators between ourselves and earth and spirit. It's just, we see evidence of that everywhere, um, but it's not cohesive. We're not, we're not cohering. We're not uh, yet unified in our sense of what's going on here. What's going mm -hmm. on in this human world on this lovely planet that is in a fraught moment. And uh, so I, I choose to, frame it as birth and to understand that pain is normal pain is yeah. normal in birth and we were talking about that in the class about the long game that it's normal to have pandemics it's actually really normal it's not it's not not normal it's it happens every century or so in yeah. some mondo big way and there's a, a website that gives you the story of the what they call the 20 worst mm -hmm. pandemics starting from 3000 BC in China and going all through the, the 
follow the Roman Empire and um, the, the Great Plague in London and all the plagues in the Americas that decimated the indigenous population. And I think they named the one in 1918 as the worst one. But mm. <laughs> it's if you look at that timeline and, and you see, wow, each one lasted between two and five years. Yeah. And they came back mm -hmm. and thousands and thousands and thousands of people died. Where did they all go? I don't know. <laughs> Where did all those bodies go? But just to get your head around the numbers of people mm -hmm. that have uh, left the earth in a pandemic, it's huge. And in a way, it's normal. <laughs> it's, it's part of our biosphere. It's part of being here. Yeah, Mary. And, you know, as a person going through life and you know with with young people with old people part of our challenge which with each other is around not just really uh looking at that and going oh there's just no point here but it's actually the challenge becomes how how do we find meaning it even though maybe things happen in life that we wouldn't prefer maybe mm -hmm. we wouldn't prefer that pandemic is part of humanity and life but it is right. So but what goodness can I be present to? Yeah. And what part can I play in fostering goodness yeah. in this present moment? And I was so gratified to hear a newscaster yesterday who's interviewing somebody on the radio. He said like this was just fact. He said, well, I guess we all can agree that we've learned how to see what's positive during the pandemic. <laughs> and I thought, really? Can we? <laughs> oh, that's cool. We could agree that what he was saying is like uh, there's been some concerted effort on the part of many people to see the good here yeah, and to be positive and promote. Yeah, and, and I would say some people are doing a better job of that than others, but yes. that that's okay. But I think, you know, that it goes back to this notion of permission to see the good, even though there's been a lot of loss and grief. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like, and you mentioned this sort of at the top of our conversation, that there's sort of we're we're about to kind of reemerge into you know a, what's a, next what's next exactly kind of coming out into the light and blinking and looking around and going okay what's here and the sense I get just from the last ah few weeks you know is people are kind of excited to be with each other they're excited to start new things there's um, uh, I think we're going to experience a big wave of, of creative expression, mm. you know, all over the place. And because I think it's kind of been pent up and it's we're, it's about to really come out full force. And I think it's going to be kind of an exciting time. Yeah, well, think about after the um, pandemic in um, 1918. Yeah. Roaring 20s. The there they were. 20s. And jazz. Yeah. Jazz came out. <laughs> yeah. <after that. laughs> and jazz yeah. is a little chaotic. You know, jazz, jazz came uh, in some kind of a uh, synthesis of chaos and order. So, yeah, who knows what's going to emerge, what's going to emerge after this one. Yeah, and I think, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm, I'm also concerned as I read articles about the mental health state of young people collectively and just how so many people have have really experienced traumas and fractures and breakdown and that you know we need we need to bring everybody along and we need you know we we can hopefully 
hopefully people who, who need help will get help, but we know that there's a shortage of therapists and, you know, there's all sorts of things that are where we're poised for it to get worse, or maybe we're poised for it to get better. I don't know. But you know what we always have, even if there's a shortage of therapists, we have the power of the circle. Mm. And a lot of the woundedness comes from people's sense of isolation. Yeah. And sense of loss of friends and so social opportunities and communities. And there's nothing to say that those can't pop into place in coming yeah. times when we're able to get together without... Um, you know, being uh, carded for our vaccinations. When when that when this passes, and people are able to get together in circles again, don't you imagine a lot of little groups happening, a lot yes. of little groups about you know healing, helping to heal each other around the pandemic. I'm picturing that. Yeah, I love that, and I I would like you to say more about the power of the circle, and then also I want to talk about how forgiveness is always there for us and that's sort of been your your big push what you teach in the world how you show up in the world and that maybe this is also a time where people can uh, open up to that as a pathway for themselves mm -hmm. yeah forgiveness is always a good idea but it's a better idea at times when there's massive disappointment mm. and massive loss and um a the disappearance of what was normal and in which the medicine is not to stay stuck in regret and rage but to be able to let go of our expectations of what normal is yeah of what we thought was going to happen next of the path i thought the way i my path was going to go um i have a really uh very brilliant nephew who was so excited about his college pathway. He got into the college he wanted. He researched the teachers, the professors he wanted to hang out with that are brilliant. He was so into it and it got tanked. It absolutely yeah. got tanked. He, he couldn't stay in college. They closed everything. And he did a few things online, but it wasn't the same. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who wants discourse. He wants yeah. discourse in person. He wants to go to the pr prof's office and, you know, and leave with a book that he wouldn't have found otherwise, you know? Yeah. So he, he lost his college path the way he had envisioned it. And a lot of people have lost the version of their path that they were expecting. Yeah. And so the medicine is indeed forgiveness, which is to release the expectations that we're holding onto that are causing us to suffer because life is still here. Life is, there are still pathways. We mm -hmm. just haven't found, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't put our foot upon it yet, the new pathway, because we're still grieving the old one. And uh, so I think this is really a big moment for the discovery of the value of forgiveness. I really believe that, Mary. And I'm excited for more people to come into contact with your work through workshops or, or just, you know, as we've been sharing through the podcast, because I think it is so central and center. And, you know, I have been noticing, oh, just sort of grief coming up, you know, coming up and out and wanting to face it rather than like hide from it or, or suppress it. And I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to get good at at, at grief so that I can be, you know, be fully present for my life, where am I going to also need to practice forgiveness? You know, where I think the two go hand in hand. 
Yeah, I think they do. Um, we can't really instantly forgive. We can't uh -huh. go, oh, okay, I'm over it. We're not. You know, we we need to let some things out. Yeah. We need to let out our disappointments in a space of compassion. That's why I was saying I believe in, in groups. I'm, I believe that we have the option, all of us, to, like, get in a group post-pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's free, you know. Somebody can facilitate, a different person can facilitate it every week. But coming together in a, a small circle of people, anything from four people to 15 people, um, you know, will serve. And uh, giving each person a chance to speak a loss, to speak a mm -hmm. sorrow, to speak a disappointment, to speak a piece of anger, while others listen compassionately and without judging them. That's, that's available to us anytime. And that's why um, people grow in, in circles. People go to, um, you know, grief groups and uh, groups that are oriented around certain specific losses like divorce or miscarriage or I'm not sure what others, but I know they're there. And it's the, the power of attention and the power of the physical shape of the circle does something energetically that brings people to a sense of home and community. I love that. I love circles. <laughs> and it does seem like there's, there's probably some mysterious uh, forces going on that maybe we only understand part of it but that it's there for us and no matter what, no matter, you know, no matter, it doesn't cost a lot. And it, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's free and yet it's free. Yeah. Think about all the thousands and thousands of people who have sobered up from the disease of alcoholism because they went to a circle weekly. They went yeah. to that weekly circle and we read the same thing every week and we pass the basket around and put a dollar in and you know somebody makes the coffee and somebody uh, gives someone else a phone number because they're having a hard time and call me anytime we'll talk that's yeah. so much healing has come on the planet um, in the 12-step world since the 1940s because of the circle yeah. power of the circle yeah cool so let's talk a little bit more about the long game and what that gives you I happen to be a big proponent of the long game. I think about some some of the work that I do and how long it will take, you know, it takes to create something. And I always say to people, you know, we don't know whether you're giving birth to an elephant, which is two years in gestation, or, you know, a human baby or whatever. But I like to think about it that way. We sometimes don't know how long things will take to come back around. But when they do, it's really, really satisfying. And so what are some more things that you want to share about the long game? Well, I like to uh, connect the early parts of my life with the latter parts of my life from mm -hmm. time to time and see how there's a through line. You see how, oh, I see, you know, this trauma or this situation back then when I was seven or when I was 10 or 14 or 21 created this uh, insight in me or this ability or this skill or this need and it has been shaping my footsteps ever since and um, I think it's fruitful to in a way think of the long game as like we're in a great big round piece of time where the the child in you is 
right here, as is the old, old woman in you right here, as are you, the savvy producer right here, um, doing your Zoom calls with your um, co-workers. It's all, we're all right here, and we can kind of just draw on the gifts of these different eras in the present moment and um, bring something forward that has been waiting to be brought forward. Mm, love it. Cool. Well, Mary, I've been, uh, it's been great to go through the, the classes with you uh, on Zoom this winter and as we get into spring, and we just have a few more, a few more weeks of classes. Do you want to share anything about what we're doing coming up? Well, next week we're going to um, do some experiential forgiveness work with the class. We're going to do a nice, solid guidance through the eight steps of forgiving another person or situation. And then we're going to take a nice break. And then we're going to do a nice, solid guidance through the process of um, letting go of something that's disappointing about yourself, self-forgiveness. So um, I'm really glad about that because it's it's always relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, springtime is a great time to do it. Springtime, spring cleaning for your heart. Why not? And <laughs> there's been a lot of reflection going on uh, in people's minds throughout this course of this class. And I think people have been getting a chance to really look at the big arc of their life and the yeah. big patterns. And maybe take one thing that has haunted you, one thing that you regret or you wish had been different, and let's just launder that through and out of your system with forgiveness and see how much brighter the day might be. Yeah, that I'm looking forward to doing a little journaling about that and really getting clarity about what it is that I want to, what rock I want to drop. And <laughs> I think that you're right. It's a good time of year to do it. The other thing I just wanted to mention, because people were excited to hear about this in the class too, is that you will be doing an in-person workshop coming up in June. I sure hope so. <laughs> God willing, please God. Yes. June 10th to 12th in yeah. St. Paul, Minnesota, and everyone is welcome. It's a very healing full weekend. Not not the whole weekend. It's Friday night, Saturday day, and Sunday afternoon Yeah, at a lovely, peaceful retreat center in St. Paul. And it's a chance for everyone who comes to drop a rock um, mm -hmm. of something that has been bothering them about another person or situation and to forgive themselves something too. And uh, it's always lovely. It's always a real surprising gift for the person lucky enough to facilitate it. <laughs> Me. <laughs> I can't wait to see what I learn. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited for you on that because you haven't done in-person forgiveness workshops for a couple and of years. Two years. Yeah. 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 And so I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like um, having attended a bunch of these in the past. They're always... Um, they're they're always very rich with the, just just the beauty of humanity. I would mm -hmm. say people who have the cur you know courageously come and decide that something that that they've been carrying that they are sick and tired of um, something maybe they need to forgive someone else for or give or for to forgive themselves for, and then they show up and you take everybody through the steps and demonstrate how to do it, and then everybody does it, and uh, it's you send them home all shiny. Yeah. Well, and you've said this before, it's kind of like watching a baby be being born. 
Mm-hmm. And I love that too. There's there's just something really powerful about that. Yeah, and... there's kind of some waves of emotional pain that have to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really get the sense of something new emerging when yeah. somebody does forgiveness. Yeah, so you got that to look forward to. And yeah. uh, there's still room if somebody wants to get in, in on it, right? Yep, they can um, they can sign up um, on my homepage. Uh, actually, I don't think I have the sign-up thing in place this minute, but I will um, within the next week or two. But um, they can also call the number um, that's there on the website, forgivenesstraining.com. Great. And uh, we can get you on the list. All right. Well, any other thoughts you want to share or should we just leave it there? No, I want to go forth into the spring light, if not the spring temperature, the spring <laughs> light. Yeah. And I'm going to go do me a piece of forgiveness. Oh, you are. Here this Easter Saturday, day before Easter Excellent. Sunday. Yeah, spring cleaning. I got a thing. I got an issue. You got an issue. Yeah, You're I got an knock issue. Knock it right I'm down. Go. I knock it down. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, good. I, I wish you the best, best wishes as you face into whatever it is and let it go. And I, I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> see you next right. time. Thanks. Bye. Mary. Bye.